new on Curiosity Stream. I'm James Burke. I'm going to take you on a journey through time. James Burke's visionary series returns, reimagined for our time. Now, this is all uncharted territory. The Washington Post hails Burke as one of the most intriguing minds in the Western world. The New York Times raves he careens from one great moment in history to another. Where do we want to go from here? Experience all new connections. So what's the next connection? With monthly, annual, and bundled plans, find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Welcome into the Stochastic MMA Strategy Shows. We get you ready for Saturday's UFC Vegas number 57. Of course, going from the UFC Apex, which means we are back in the smaller cage after last week's UFC Austin in the bigger cage, which uh, I don't know, P, if you uh, saw the addition of the stoppages, 17 minutes and all those stoppages at UFC Austin. So uh, get we'll get right back into the flow here with this one. But of course, as always, I'm joined by the fire Pete Rogers Jr. We are sponsored by Prize Picks. We'll talk about some of those Prize Picks plays later on in the show. Pete, how you doing, bro? What's going on, man? Uh, exciting main event. I'm really excited for the main event. Um, I really like Sarukin. I really like Amrot. Unfortunate that they have to clash so early within the careers, but uh, it's going to be a, a hell of a fight, and I can't wait to see it over five rounds. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing, and we'll get right into the main event of, of Saruk and Gamrot. And to me, when I, I saw the salaries for this one and the betting odds, I thought it was a little wide, to be honest with you. I mean, look, Sarukian should be the favorite in this match. I'm not arguing with that one. But to me, the fact of him being this big of a favorite, being a three-to-one betting favorite, when you look over at DraftKings, 9,100, uh, 7,100 for Gamrot. I'll tell you, in terms of cash games, I don't mind getting the Gamrot here. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't hate getting to Gamrot at all anytime, uh, especially over five rounds because we could have a losing fighter within the optimal lineup. Um, I think stylistically it's a difficult matchup just because he's finally going to be met with a, a grappler that can compete with him and flow with him and defend some of his attempts. And he's the better striker. So Ar- Armin Saruki is the better striker on the feet. And it's just going to be a difficult matchup for Mataj Gamrot. But man, that relentless pace and just the, the consistent attempts to take the fight to the mat. I don't hate the price point on Gamrot at 7,100 even though he doesn't necessarily have the best top control. Um, I mean, if he gets somebody down with a, an excellent takedown, as he did against Jeremy Stevens, you, you saw what he can do in the submission department. But other fighters have been able to work back to their feet, and I feel like Armin Sarukian has the, the wrestling skills to do so. So I, I agree with you. The odds are a little wide, but I think that they are correct in Sarukian's favor. Yeah, when you look at the stats of this one, the thing that I think sticks out to me the most would be when you look at those takedowns per 15 minutes of fighting where Gamrot is a 5.83, 3.47 on the reverse side for Sarukian. Now, Gamrot has not been taken down in UFC competition, but you know that takedown defense for the most part has held up for Sarukian. It's one of those fights just because of, I kind of feel like it's going to play out on the feet. Um, you know, it's going to be one of those fights that 
I think in cash is going to be hard to get away from because I, I do think the winner of this fight is going to score pretty well in that. In terms of GPPs, I mean, look, we, we've got 12 fights to deal with. We got some high volatility fights. You know, like we'll play the game later on in the show. Who do you trust more, Josh Parisian or Alan Budo? I, I don't know who you trust more, but I, there are some there's some volatility throughout this fight card. So in GPPs, I don't know if I have to get to the main event. But I think in terms of cash games, it's going to be hard for me to avoid it. Yeah, I mean, I'm okay with getting to Armin Sarukin, honestly. Um, you're not probably you're not going to see him go offensive takedowns as much as he normally would in certain matchups. I think he's going to want to use his takedown defense, keep it on the feet, and look for a striking finish or just a dominant stamp towards each round. 9100. It's not like he's priced at the high nine range, so. I'm okay with getting to it just because of the five rounds and the pace that Matavish Gamrot, you know, fights at and the way that he's just constantly working. Armin Sarukin is going to have to keep up. If he doesn't keep up, then you could see the underdog coming through at an excellent price tag of 7,100. So I feel like the pace might elevate both of their totals. So for me, I'm, I'm probably going to be getting to the main event. Honestly, I, I feel a little nervous not getting to it. Yeah, it's one of those things when it comes to the betting odds of if you sat there and said these guys fight 10 times, mm -hmm. does Sarukian win six, seven out of the 10 times? I would think so. Um, anything can happen, and especially in this fight game, we know that. As long as Sarukian took Mataj Gamrot serious and comes in in fantastic shape, he hasn't really been tested inside five rounds ever within his career, whereas Mataj Gamrot has. So Gamrot has that, that championship experience and dealing with the five rounds in the past i feel like he kind of overexerts himself though like i can see this guy you know his cardio not being the best in rounds four and rounds five just because of the the defensive skills of uh, armin saruki and just defending takedowns it's, it's exhausting when you don't land takedowns um and you're constantly working 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 so the five round nature is an interesting bit where i don't know who it necessarily favors but of course, I'm going to be favoring Armin Sarukian. I just think that he's the more well-rounded athlete. Um, Mataj Gamrot's pretty reckless and wild on the feet. So anything, anything can land, anything can happen. So I would agree with you that six, seven out of 10 times, Sarukian comes out as the uh, victorious fighter. Of course, this is the strategy show for UFC Vegas number 57. Be sure to give us a like and subscribe to the channel right here on YouTube so you keep up with all of our shows, DFF offers, giveaways, and so much more. Of course, once you subscribe, you got to hit that notification bell so you know when a show is live here on the channel. Of course, come up here later on today, 6 p.m. Eastern time. We got MLB live before lock. And, of course, if you're not a premium member, you want to get a little peek, what's behind the paywall, today's free premium day and tools, is MLB projections. You got to go over there to check that out. Of course, you have noticed that we have rebranded as stochastic instead of awesome. But that just because the brand has changed doesn't mean anything else has the content tools data. 100% is the same. The also Alex Baker isn't going anywhere and he's not changing his DFS username to stochastic. We haven't merged or been acquired. This is simply a brand shift and everything else you've grown to love about our channel website is 100% not changed. You got to check out all the tools we have over there. I'll tell you about a great offer we have uh, here in a little bit. And of course, uh, right here on the left side of my screen, I've got that top fighter tool. That is the tool that I am using for all of these. And I'll give you a little hit. I've got a spreadsheet. 
I've got a top fire tool for DraftKings. I got the mm-hmm. top fire tool for FanDuel. And then I also I go over to UFCstats.com and I pull all the stats on these fights because that's sometimes how you can try to create a little bit of edge for yourself, especially or talk about the DraftKings side of the equation of who could potentially take the fight to the ground. And maybe we talk about that here in the co-main event of Neil Magny and Shakov Rachmanov. Rachmanov, 9,300, 6,900 for Neil Magny. Of course, uh, we do not have the FanDuel salaries at this time. Rachmanov, just over a 4-1 to one betting favorite in this one. And, you know, one of the things that, Pete, we always talk about with Neil Magny, especially with uh, at welterweight here, is a reach advantage that he typically has, but this is one of the ones where he doesn't have a sizable reach advantage. He does have a three reach advantage against Rachmanov. Look, I think Rachmanov is the real deal. To me, this is the test. This is the test to figure out, are you a part of this top eight-ish of the UFC welterweight division? And the question for me is, if you're Neil Magny, do you engage in the grappling in this one? I will tell you, I am really excited to see Shopkot Rachmanov fight. And Neil Magny is an excellent test for him, as, as you just mentioned. Uh, usually a huge guy for the division, um, hits people with really long straight punches, and the volume tends to be too much for a lot of his opposition. And then when the striking isn't in his favor, he, he you know works his way into the clinch, and he has some sneaky wrestling upside offensively. Not a good defensive wrestler by any means. And I think that's probably going to be the game plan is, you know, avoid the big shots of Shavkat Rachmanov, who has such diverse striking. It's crazy. He can throw spinning hook kicks. He has good power, um, excellent submission skills as well. So Neil Magny needs to look to utilize like upper body takedowns, like getting under high underhooks and looking to, to trip him inside the clinch. Um, going for a traditional double leg is not a recipe for success against Shavkat Rachmanov. He has an excellent excellent guillotine, and uh, I do think that Shavkat is the real deal. Now, the price tag is just interesting because 9300 going up against um, easily his stiffest test to date. Uh, Magny has taken a ton of damage throughout his career, and I worry about his chin, truthfully. I think that Shavkat Rachmanov can look to exploit that, hit him, damage him on the feet, maybe knock him down, um, could even knock him down multiple times. We see Magny get hurt and rocked just in his most recent fight against Max Griffin. And then he was able to overcome that and get a a split decision victory. But you tell me that you're having a really close fight with Max Griffin, and now they're pairing you up against Shavkat Rachmanov, one of the best prospects within the sport. I just think that Shavkat has the goods in all areas here. And I think the price tag's warranted at 9,300, and he has some finish upside. So I'm okay with getting to it. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, as you mentioned, I think Rachmanov is the real deal, but let's also be honest about this. This is a massive step up in competition from his last opponent in Carlson Harris. Now, he does have a win against Cowboy Oliveira. Um, You know, one of the things that I'm interested to see, because when you look up and down the record, especially most recently, we really haven't seen Rachmanov get extended out to the third round. Mm -hmm. That, to me, if I'm thinking about what Neil Magny's potential game plan could be in this matchup, is to potentially test that cardio machine and see what does a third round rock monoff look like? Yeah. I mean, anytime somebody's such a prolific finisher, you, you want to test them in the later rounds, but good luck avoiding, you know, that, that crazy offensive onslaught that they're trying to hit you with, whether it's submission attempts or just ridiculous striking. And 
a lot of people haven't been able to survive what Shavkat brings to the table. And Magni has the experience to, you know, to basically develop a game plan around Shavkat Rachmanov. But I just don't know if the durability is there at this stage of the game. The price tag's obviously intriguing, right? Like 6,900, if he does somehow squeak this out and makes it a competitive fight, you know, obviously he's going to be optimal at that price tag, even in a loss. This could be a situation where Magni, you know, rises to the occasion and has just like a, a career best performance, but I'm really not seeing it in 2022. So Shavkat Rachmanov, 9,300, no problem. Next up, we've got a heavyweight matchup, and this one's got high volatility oh, God. written all over. Essentially, it's a pick fight here between Badeau and Josh Parisian. Who do you trust more, P here? Because right. I don't know. I don't know who to trust. I mean, like if you tell you hold a gun in my head and say you gotta pick one, I probably pick Josh Parisian. But man, this is I mean, it's it's the low end of the UFC heavyweight division. Yeah, I mean, I would just accept my fate in a situation like that and uh just hope for the best. But Alain Badeau, Josh Parisian is this week's Joe Lozon, Cowboy Cerrone. Like, you know, Joe Lozon and Cowboy Cerrone were not the same fighters that they used to be. So it was an extremely volatile matchup. Obviously that fight was scrapped a second time, which is completely crazy. Uh, but Alain Badeau, Josh Parisian is probably going to make it into a group of mine, to be honest, because I, I really like the under two and a half in this fight. Alain Badeau has a ton of question marks surrounding him. He's winless inside the UFC. Josh Parisian has tons of question marks surrounding him as well. Uh, we've seen him have more success than Alain Badeau. You know, even on the contender series and just getting in top position, he can land some good ground and pound. But on the flip side of that, he can be put in terrible positions and beaten to a pulp as well. Uh, it's a lean towards the underdog just because it's a, a value play. And under 8,000 is always going to have my eyes open. And I'm going to just lean towards Josh Parisian. But this is probably going to make it into the optimal lineup. And I have literally no trust in either one of them. So if anybody says Alain Badeau is going to go out there and knock out Josh Parisian, I can see it. I can see anything that you want to tell me about this fight. And Alain Badeau did look ever improved in his last bout against Parker Porter. He lost a decision, but he did look like a guy that, you know, put in some work in training camp. He looked improved. And Josh Parisian looked absolutely terrible in his last bout against the Dante Mays. So it's a clash of styles and a clash of horrific low level heavyweights. And we will have to, you know, just sit on the edge of the couch and hope that we have the correct exposure to one of these guys. I, I do wonder if, if Josh Parisian's potential game plan would be to utilize takedowns. You know, we, we see him use it very, uh, you know, not frequently at all. Uh, we look at his takedowns per minute rate, a, a 0.31. Of course, both these guys, while they both land, uh, you know, right around that five strikes per minute, they also absorb about five strikes per minute as well. This is one of those ones that for me personally, it's on the, I know I got a roster at beat, but yeah. you just don't. It's just a fight that you don't uh, have a ton of trust in. Before we move on to the next matchup, do I let you know about the great offer we have for if you're a new user of Stochastic Plus Platinum, where you can get 50% off your first month of Stochastic Plus Platinum. This is for new users only. You can hit the link in the video description below or use that promo code MMA Strategy Show to get access to all the great tools and content we have over at stochastic.com and look 
when you hit that promo code, that lets everyone here know that you heard about the offer that we have right here on the MMA Strategy Show. Appreciate everyone taking advantage of that promo code. And I mean, look, it's that top fire tool, which gives you everything you need here for UFC. And of course, also everything else we have over stochastic.com. If you're looking for MLB coverage, of course, we got NASCAR returning this weekend. So be sure to check out that. And I'll tell you, when it comes to that top fire tool, there's a lot of things that I'm looking at. Obviously, ownership is a big part of that equation. Where can we potentially uh, get some leverage at, especially when we're talking about some of these high volatility fights of where we're thinking ownership is going to be in that. But be sure to take advantage of that deal. New users only, 50% off your first month of Sotastic Plus Platinum. You got to take advantage of that deal. Let's move on. Next up, we got a matchup between Tiago Moses and Christos Yagos. Of course, uh, Christos Yagos now training down in South Florida. This is now his second training camp in South Florida. He is 7,200, 9,000 for Tiago here. And, uh, you know, look, I mean, the one thing that always concerns you on looking at the Yago side of the equation, first off, is the fact of the cardio. You know that he is going to be potentially live for a stoppage early on in this fight. But to me, once you tell me this fight hits mid seven and a half, I do feel like it's advanced Tiago. Yeah, I mean, I like the skills of both guys to a point, but there was a time where I thought Tiago Moises was a fraud. I truthfully did. Um, and then he went on a nice little win streak over Michael Johnson, Bobby Green, and Alexander Hernandez. And I was like, okay, my assessment was wrong. To see him with a 9,000 price tag, I understand that he's fought top-level competition, uh, losing most recently to uh, Joel Alvarez in the first round. Uh, that was a brutal, brutal finish. And then uh, previous to that against Islam Mahachev, you know, he's fought top competition. So I understand it. And uh, Christos Giagos is a guy who's so, so dangerous in round one, but his best path to victory tends to be getting takedowns and looking for submission finishes. And honestly, I just don't love that game plan for him against uh, Tiago Moises. Uh, Moises has great Brazilian jiu-jitsu and some you know underrated striking as well. It's his volume that is sometimes a lackluster and makes you sit there, stare at the TV and be like, do something, like let your hands go, let your combinations <laughs> fly. Cause when he does, he looks so, so talented and he looks crisp. Um, I'm going to sprinkle the underdog Christos Giagos just because of, you know, the, the camp Sanford MMA. I know that Tiago Moises comes from a strong camp American top team as well, but I just feel like the salaries are a little wide. I, I am favoring Tiago Moises and he should be able to take over late. As you mentioned, uh, you know, just weather the storm from Christos and go out there and outwork him in rounds two and rounds three. It's just Tiago at this stage in the game with the damage he's taken in his past two fights and being on a, a losing skid. How does he, how does he rebound from that? Uh, we know that Christos is coming off a vicious finish defeat against the Armin Sarukian. Um, So, I mean, I'm interested in the fight. I didn't suspect Tiago to have a 9,000 price tag. I I'm okay with it but I feel like it's just a tiny bit wide. So the pick for me is going to be Tiago Moises and Chris Ostiago is going to be a, a long shot guy that I'm going to be sprinkling some of my lineups. I don't see myself getting to this fight in GPPs. By mm -hmm. the way, speaking of Christos now trained down there, uh, at Sanford MMA, I heard a hilarious story about his first day he walks into Sanford MMA. Who's the first person he sees? Sean Soriano, who he, he had just submitted. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I mean, 
he, he had to have known like, you know, Sean, Sean's a staple within that team and one of the best striking minds down there. So, uh, you know, I, I like it when guys pair up after defeats, as long as like, you know, you can learn something from everybody and Sanford's a great camp, but so is, T, you know, American top team, Tiago Moises dealing with excellent bodies on a day-to-day basis. And, uh, we'll have to see clash of styles, but Tiago Moises, 9,000 price tag. I'll have to see how ownership is, but I might be neutral to it. Or if, if people are really smashing it, I might take an under, under approach. Of course, when you talk about high price tags, we got to move on next up to the highest salary fighter on this car. Umar Numaga Madoff taking on Nate Manis. He is 95 over 9,500 on DraftKings, 6,700 for Nate Manis. And Umar is now a nine to one betting favorite in this one. Uh, the, he was an eight to one betting favorite earlier on this week. And look, when you talk to people who are around American kickboxing Academy, who are around the stable of fighters that Habib is working with on the day in and day out, Outside of Islam Machev, the fighter that everyone points to and says, this is the guy, this is the next protege of Habib Nurmagomedov, it is Umar. Uh, but when you look at the stats on this one, Pete, the, the one stat that sticks out above all else is those takedowns per 15 minutes of fighting, 7.56. Look, Umar, no question, clearly should be the favorite in this one. Once again, I think the the line is a little wide. I think he's going to win this one. But to me, it comes down to is, does he pay off that price point? Yeah, I mean, I really like Umar Namagomedov a lot. I love his kicks. He has excellent kicks. And when he gets you thinking about the kicks or just his striking in general, he can mix in some takedowns. And within the UFC, we've seen him do it. But I feel like we haven't even scratched the surface of his potential. Uh, he went 5 of 11 for takedowns against Sergey Morozov and one of five against Brian Kelleher, but he has excellent submission skills as well. So I really think that this kid has the goods and I have to be honest, Nate Manis just needs to stop because I bet, I think I've bet against them in every single fight. Like I, <laughs> I, I've constantly counted this guy out and he just keeps screwing me over. So hopefully that ends this week. And we have Umar Namarga Madoff going there with a dominant performance, whether he gets the finish or not. I just want, you know, main is to get the L that I have been predicting for a very long time. I mean, it's a, it's a really difficult matchup for him and he's bailed himself out from the ten, uh, Tony Gravely fight where he was damn near stopped, but he also possesses some pretty good power. Uh, the submission win over Luke Sanders, you know what I mean? Like he's, he's dangerous late. And if you tax your gas tank, or if you don't really get him out of there, then he's live to pull the upset, but I absolutely do not see it this week against Umar Nomagomedov. I will be getting to Umar, no problem at all. 95 price, 9,500 price tag, going to scare some people naturally, but you're talking about one of the best skill sets within the UFC. Yeah, he's young. He's a young prospect, but I, as, as I thought, Tiago Moises was a fraud in the past. Nate Manis was atop the fraud list for me. And I was like, yeah, this guy's completely... I don't even think he's UFC level. And then now he has three UFC wins. So I think the defeat's finally coming. And Umar, 9,500 price tag, going to be a smash play. 
I do know that Nate uh, once has been wanting to fight Adrian Yanez. Look, you lose here. You're not getting Adrian Yanez. Adrian Yanez mm. is on a different path right now. But I mean, look, Nurmaga made off. I mean, he's the real deal in this one. I mean, when you know, there's when you constantly hear people rave about a certain fighter, you kind of know that there's a lot of legit there. Um, and I like him this matchup. But I would say this, man, the price point is a little scary to me in this one. Um, and, uh, you know, just kind of looking at ownership right now, I will definitely be under the field in terms of that one. Let's move on to the next matchup. I kind of feel like we might have a good little conversation here between Chris Curtis and Rodolfo Vieira. Of course, uh, everyone knows about Rodolfo with his jujitsu credentials. And of course the action man, he is coming for us, but, uh, unlike his previous UFC fights, um, Pete here, we've got minus money now on Chris Curtis as he is the betting favorite, uh, in this one, 8,600 for Chris Curtis, 7,600 for Rodolfo. I mean, look, I like Chris Curtis in this matchup, but there is a clear path to victory. When you have seen Chris Curtis struggle, it's when he has been, been taken and putting on his back. Now, look, for a lot of times, BJJ guys, we how often do we talk about here, Pete? That BJJ guys may not have the best takedowns, but, like, that is the clear method for Rodolfo to pull this upset here. Yeah, so, I mean, Chris Curtis, Adolfo Vieira, exciting middleweight matchup. I can't wait because I really like Chris Curtis. Um, and Adolfo Vieira is a guy where in certain matchups we can target him. Uh, he's always live to get a submission finish, as he has done in his three UFC wins. Um, but when he's unable to have success in the grappling department, especially getting somebody to the mat, because he's not an incredible wrestler. He's an incredible grappler. And that's the issue that people don't really understand is like, a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners don't round out their game and work on that wrestling as much as they should. Um, you know, you, you have seen some fighters like, you know, that, that go out there and they start to incorporate wrestling and it's like, okay, now they're a true threat. I think that Rodolfo Vieira is an underdog to target just because if he wins, he scores well, but I don't foresee him beating Chris Curtis here. I think Chris Curtis is going to beat him up on the feet Hodolfo Vieira is going to get tired as this fight goes on. And even if he gets a takedown, I think Chris Curtis is experienced enough to defend, get back to his feet, or in the next round or two, start to really implement his game and hurt Hodolfo Vieira on the feet. And it's every time Hodolfo is going to fight, I'm always going to think back to that Anthony Hernandez mm -hmm. fight. When the going got tough, you did see him somewhat mentally check out. Mm -hmm. uh, the takedowns weren't there. He was lunging a lot on his shots and overextending himself and just putting himself in harm's way where Anthony Hernandez snatched up the neck and got a beautiful, beautiful submission. So um, Chris Curtis is the play for me at 8,600. And I, I think that he wins eight of 10 times, if you want me to be honest. Uh, but as far as underdogs who could score well, Rodolfo Vieira, if he wins, he's going to score well. I just kind of feel like this fight early on is going to play out a little bit of a feeling out process by Chris. Mm -hmm. I, I got to imagine that his team is, is going to go back and look at that, that Hernandez fight and go, if we can wear this guy down, this is going to be, you know, OEP, you coach fighters every, every single day. You know, yep. one of the things that anytime you talk to a coach, one of the things I always talk about is what is the best path to victory? Mm -hmm. What is the easiest path to victory? It's like, if you're a, you know, okay, just using you as a perspective, you're a karate guy. And if I'm coaching, I'm not sitting there going, hey, Pete, uh, we're just double-legging this whole fight. No, right. like you are what you are. 
Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like with Chris Curtis, the fact is we know what he is. He is a stand-up fighter. This is a guy who has taking boxing matchups. So I, I think that's going to be part of the process. I mean, look, I certainly could be very wrong. And, and maybe Chris Curtis just comes out, you know, throwing them bungalows. But I feel like he's going to try to wear out Vieira in this matchup. Yeah, I, I think, you know, popping with the jab and utilizing good footwork is what's going to be like, he needs to be the matador while Hadolfo Vieira is going to be the bull early on because, you know, Hadolfo is going to be swinging big, trying to get you to respect his hands just to, you know, shoot underneath you and, uh, you know, pin you to the cage and, and work towards taking you to the mat. So, I mean, Chris Curtis trains with some of the best fighters in the world and he has some of the most experience within the UFC, uh, but it was all regional experience. I think that Rodolfo Vieira can get exposed in a matchup like this against such a veteran. So uh, give me Chris Curtis. One of the things that potentially we could see on fight night, Pete, is Mm -hmm. a size difference between these two. I I think Chris Curtis is better off at 170 as opposed to 185. But I mean, look, hey, you're not, you're not kind of, it's not a wait to get to 185. So can't blame in terms of that one. Now, when we talk about Chris Curtis, he is actually one of the prop plays I like over at our sponsor, Prize picks, of course, they got their daily prop base contest. And of course, when you use that promo code Awesome, they'll match your first deposit up to one hundred dollars. Of course, use your knowledge on multiple sports with cross sport entries. Click the link in the video description below or head to prizepicks.com. Of course, they got the app you got there as well. They've always got specials going on over there. I love to play on prize picks, and I've been sitting here waiting for prize picks to throw some PFL lines for me because I'm going to be hopping on, you know, be hopping on some of those PFL lines. But uh, Chris Curtis, his fight time number, Pete is 6.0. I like the over in this one. I know you're not huge on the over on this one, but I like the over just because I think it's with the stoppage is not going to come till after the six minute mark. I don't hate it. Um, I think that anybody who fights Hodolfo Vieira is going to have to weather the storm. So Hodolfo could have early success. And then rounds in rounds two and rounds three is the most live for Chris Curtis to get the finish. So I feel like it's, it's close to where I would see it and I'm okay with getting to the over, but there's the next one that I, I, I prefer truthfully. Yeah. I said this one to you. You kind of text me like, yeah, I kind of like that second one a little better. Uh, and I like this one as well. It's going to be a fight that we haven't talked about yet. And that's Mario Batista taking on Brian Keller, Mario Batista. I like the significant strikes landed here of 68 and a half and give me the over here. When you look at when Batista has been stretched out in, into the third round, this is a number that he is you know, typically hit. So I like the over 68 and a half city of his strikes of Mario Batista. Yeah, I'm excited for that fight. Uh, Kelleher is really, really tough. Hopefully the, what, the weight cut doesn't tax him too much, but uh, his toughness has prevailed for the most majority of his career. And uh, I see it playing out on the feet for a large majority of it with Batista you know, just kind of dancing around and doing what he does. So I think that significant strike total is pretty low. Also, I think uh, another one to look at it mention here, Alan Badeau under 10 uh, fight time minutes is probably mm-hmm. another one to potentially target there. And uh, if price picks, I know they had him up last week on a PFL, just uh, this is my just easy explanation with PFL. Go look at the standings and see who needs stoppage wins. For example, if they put a fight time up on Anthony Pettis and Stevie Ray tomorrow, Stevie Ray has to win via stoppage by the two minute and 51 second mark of the third round to get into the playoffs. Those are things you got to be looking for. Mm -hmm. Of course, Jeremy Stevens was a core play for me over on prize picks last week. And well, 
combinations, Jeremy. Combinations, man. Yep. I I can't wait for the the lines to drop and me to see them and uh, do some research on PFL because uh, it's fun that, you know, other platforms are starting to get into MMA more so than it was a couple years ago. And uh, we're starting to see fans really enjoying MMA fights. So uh, happy to have you guys a part part of the show, checking out the show. If you like what we bring to the table, if you guys can hit that like button, get us over like 100 likes. We'd really appreciate it. And we're here every single week. Look, if you could put some fight time props up on the Bellator card, um, <laughs> in, court, in what I like to call the uh, human sacrifice hour on the preliminary card, I was, I was smashing under, smashing under, smashing under. Yeah, yeah, that would be uh, <laughs> some free money over on Bellator sometimes. Are you going to the fights tomorrow night? I actually, I am. I just got, I just got tickets, so uh, I will be there after I, uh, I'm having a new mat delivered to our gym, and then uh, teach a class, and then I'll be at the fights to, uh, to watch my guy Brendan Ward fight, and uh, he's been coming down to the gym, putting in some work with me and the guys, and uh, you know, shout out to Brendan. He's, he's an awesome asset to the team, and we're happy to have him. Man, are you going to put on some weight with all these big boys that are coming to your gym or what? I have no idea. I'll tell you what, I, I mean, they're going to be the strongest, uh, 155 pounder out there are the most injured. The, the more, more I keep working with everybody. I had four, no, what I say, three heavyweights come in and join the gym yesterday. It's like Connecticut's a heavyweight hotspot. I got nothing but big guys. I'm like, yo, like it, it's good. It's good for me in the strength department, but it's like, goodness gracious. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. I heard some rumblings that Mohegan Sun is uh, going to be pretty packed tomorrow night. Yeah, I heard, I heard the same. Yeah. I'll tell you some stuff off air, <laughs> but uh, let's move on to the next matchup. Uh, and this may be, I think one of the matchups that maybe interest people the most, just mm. in terms of the actual fight of Olberg and Jekku, uh, 8,300 for Carlos Olberg, 7,900 for Jekku here. Um, you know, this is one that I think, you know, could be a very fun fight to watch here. Uh, both guys, high volume strikers. Yeah. And highly skilled strikers too. And, Tafana Chukwe is a guy that I was fine getting to as an underdog against Azamat Mirzakhanov. And up until the flying knee knockout in the third round, he was doing great. He was 
outlanding uh, Merzakhanov looking strong, looking good. And I'm like, okay, awesome. And I've never really had to question his durability. Can't still question his durability. He got hit with a flying knee. There aren't too many human beings that get hit with a flying knee and walk it off. So uh, the skills are what I can believe in. And he's a very good Muay Thai striker. Um, and he has some takedowns in his back pocket where I feel like Carlos Olberg doesn't necessarily have the same. Yeah, he landed two against Fabio Charant. But I'll tell you what, a lot of people thought that uh, Olberg was going to get rid of Fabio pretty quickly. And that went the distance. So I know it was a patient win. But the fact that he didn't get rid of Fabio in that matchup doesn't necessarily make me think that he's going to get rid of Tafana Chukwe, despite coming off a knockout defeat. Now, I don't like how the knockout was back in March. I don't like that it was three months ago. Uh, I always like fighters to take, you know, some long time off to let their brains heal. And despite feeling well and feeling like you can go out there and compete, you're not healed. You need to take more time off and just come back like Calvin Cater did against uh, Max Holloway. Took some time away and then came back when he was better. I'm still going to think that this fight plays out on the feet unless Tafana Chukwe really wants to mix in some takedowns by, you know, getting in tight and uh, tripping Olberg to the mat. The volume is crazy for both of these guys, and I know that's what you were alluding to, where you have Olberg via UFC stats, 8.76 strikes landed per minute, Tafana Chukwe, 6.12. They both love the strike. I feel like it's going to be a methodical performance from either one of these guys. I'm going to lean towards Tafana Chukwe, despite coming off a knockout defeat. I, I like Tafan, and he has more experience on Dana White's contender series and just in the UFC in general. He's fought Jamie Pickett, Jung Young Park, Michael Rodriguez, Azamat Merzakhanov, where if you look at Olberg's strength of schedule, it's Kennedy and Chekwu and Fabio Charant. So uh, it's a lean towards Tafan and Chukwe, but I can't wait. It's a striker's delight. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just one of those things. I mean, and I mentioned about 8.76, 6.12 on the other side mm-hmm. in terms of strikes land per minute. Now, we look at strikes absorbed per minute. Uh, Carlos, 4.02, 3.87 for Intrequi on the other side of the fight. And look, if this fight hits the ground, it's likely because someone's been dropped or someone mm-hmm. has been rocked and they need to, uh, you know, they need to recover a little bit. Yeah, and it's, you know, <sighs> And if somebody gets hurt, that's when you can see a striker turn into a wrestler too. It's like, all right, well, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I'm, I love striking, but man, you feel weak in the clinch and I'm going to look to exploit you there or just being opportunistic grapplers. That's, that's what you want. You want well-rounded mixed martial artists out there. And I feel like Tafana Chukwe is the more well-rounded of the two. So that's why I'm going to be leaning in his favor. You know, we always talk about the fact of MMA DFS can be a very tough sport to, to forecast. And you yep. bring up a great point there of, where you can have a game plan going into a matchup and and all of a sudden, and let's just say, you know, this matchup as, as an example of it, where both corners are sitting there saying, you know what, this is going to be a kickboxing matchup. But all of a sudden we're, we're two minutes into the fight and mentioned about we're in the smaller cage. We're in the mm-hmm. 25 footer, not the 30 footer. And all of a sudden it's a fight that ends up in the clinch against the fence. And one of these guys just goes, Oh crap. I I've, I can, I can ragdoll this dude. I can take him to the ground. That's the part of of why forecasting how an MMA fight can go can be difficult because there's just, there's certain factors we just don't know. Yeah. And if you're, you know, like uh, just living by the data, dying by the data, you're going to have a very difficult time with MMA DFS and predicting what should happen. Cause a lot of times in MMA, 
what should happen does not happen. And you have upsets, you have injuries, you have crazy shots, just landing like one shot punches. And um, it's crazy to forecast, as you mentioned. And that's where I feel like if you're struggling with MMA DFS, live betting is probably your next best bet. And live betting to see, okay, well, man, Tafana Chukwe is really dominating, dominating him in the clinch. And the odds necessarily haven't, you know, favored him yet. So I'm going to start to take a stand on him because I can see how this is going to go. And I can see the game plan of Tafana Chukwe is actually working a little bit better than what I predicted pre-fight. So, you know, it's just kind of like uh, evolving, you know, all fighters are evolving and they're trying to be well-rounded mixed martial artists and being opportunistic is the most important thing in an MMA fight. Yeah, if you live in a state where you can live bet, oh, yep. you got to take advantage of that. I mean, obviously here in Florida, we're going through the legislative aspect. Uh, again, we had we had sports betting for like, I don't know, a month. <laughs> and then it went away. Uh, but that was one of the things that w- it was uh, under the Seminole Hard Rock Casino that uh, they did not have live betting. And that was kind of the unfortunate aspect because in, in terms of MMA, that is really a great way that you can uh, get an edge, particularly when you start to see a fight turn around. I mean, mm-hmm. how many times have we seen a fight where a fighter just, you know, a fight that comes to my mind uh, just because I just saw a message about how he's no longer a UFC fighter, uh, Tim Ravaliev, you know, when he yeah. took on Trevin Jones. I mean, he absolutely is steamrolling trevin jones in the first round if you would have live bet jones in the second round you would have made yourself a ton of money i mean that's that's just the way this sport works yeah i mean that would have been a crazy call because it did not look good for trevin jones in that matchup at all no it did not look very good uh let's move over next one uh we got tj brown who he's gonna have a very unique corner in this one as of course he splits his time in arkansas and in in missouri so he'll have james kraus and bryce mitchell uh in his corner for this one he is a, a relatively uh decent sized favorite uh he is over a two to one betting favorite in this one he is a 8900 fighter here taking on shylin not gonna try to butcher that last name because i know i will uh i got i gotta go i gotta go over to the ufc media website i gotta listen to that audio file and, and see if i can get that proper pronunciation down before uh on saturday which by the way my buddy pete will not be here on saturday so he'll be doing his coaching duties uh with uh, one of his fighters there and uh greg Ehrenberg will be joining me here on saturday but tj brown 8900 over on DraftKings. why does he just scare me yeah he feels bad he feels bad as a uh, minus 200 favorite sitting there at 8,900. I like TJ Brown, but as such a massive favorite, you have to have your concerns because, you know, the skills are there and you know, he looked great in his debut against Jordan Griffin. He's one of the very few fighters that in two rounds scored 73 fantasy points and lost 73 fantasy points and lost because he got caught in a submission against Jordan Griffin. So I mean, his striking is improving under the tutelage of James Krause, of course, but it's the wrestling where he went seven of seven takedowns against Jordan Griffin in his debut that really got him the crazy points. In his second fight in the UFC, he went 0 of 6, 2 of 4 against Kai Kamaka, and 6 of 8 against Charles Rosa. So usually he is the fighter that likes to impose his will on the mat and get top position, land some takedowns. I feel like he might struggle a little bit in that department because uh, Shai Yalan is a good wrestler in his own right. Very good wrestler in his own right. And likes to 
get takedowns and get in top position and has good control time. He had seven minutes of control time against Sean Soriano. And I know Sean works on his takedown defense a lot at Sanford MMA, but that's his Achilles heel and always has been for his throughout his career. So I'm interested to see these two wrestlers clash. If, if uh, TJ Brown is able to nullify the attempts of uh, Shailan, then I think he could pick up, pick him apart on the feet with some leg kicks and just some big shots as well, because the striking offense of Shia Yulan is uh, pretty underwhelming. Despite the nervous energy surrounding the 8900 price tag, I got to lean in uh, TJ Brown's favor. I'm going to be picking him to win here. And uh, I feel like we haven't seen the best of him yet. He looked good against Kai Kamaka. He looked good against Charles Rosa, where he scored 112 fantasy points. And I'm hoping that he can keep this momentum going against Shia Yulan and uh, get another victory in the cage. Yeah, I mean, it's probably a fight that you have to look at in terms of GPPs just because of the fighting style there. Uh, by the way, actually speaking to Charles Rosa here later on today, I uh, got a couple of interviews uh, talking to my guy, Billy Quarantillo. We live like 10 minutes away from each other, but uh, we'll be connected virtually uh, to do the interview here. He's actually just got back into Tampa. Uh, he's a part of that uh, that July 16th card in Long Island. That's the card that's on ABC. Pete, by the way, mark your calendar July 16th. That's like a 12 o'clock lock time that day. Oh, nice. You know, I like that. I love those early, early times. Oh, man. I, I was I was talking about my podcast last night. Like, I'm jealous of people who live on the West Coast that get to watch afternoon MMA like all the time. Yeah, yeah that's a very good point. Like, I used to love it when they had cards in like England or wherever, and it'd be like morning cards and you wake yeah, yeah. up early in the morning and I'd be going to work in the morning and I'm sitting there as I'm as I'm prepping and all that. I'm like, man, this this is great. You get fights early on. While you're drinking Duncan, it's 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 great. I remember back when I was more of a, a beat reporter in terms of MMA. Yeah. And they were doing a show over uh, in China. And I think the fight started like 3 a.m. So I literally woke up at 2.30 in the morning to cover fights. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I have done that as well. And I was not a reporter. It was just a passionate fan over here just watching. So if you guys have watched cards at all, all hours of the day or – you know, you're studying tape for yourself. Shout out to you. I'll tell you, uh, one of the times I was at a Bellator event, um, I was the fight at like midnight, 1 a.m. I'm working in the back of the Mohegan Sun Arena as like I'm editing videos as I can hear the cleaning crew. And literally all I did was I got done editing videos. I went up, showered, changed and got in a, at that time a taxi to get to Hartford to get to the airport. Yep. Hey, for a 6 a.m. flight, <laughs> got to grind, bro. Got to grind. <laughs> yeah, those are those are the grinds of, of MMA reporters uh, on fight night. Let's move over. Next up, we got Sergey taking on Rulion. Rulion, 7,700. Sergey, 8,500. What's your take, Pete? I feel like this is a must have fight. It tr- truthfully, mm-hmm. like you have uh, the the favorite in Sergey Morozov sitting there at 8,500. And now you have the, the underdog in Holly and Piva sitting there at 7,700. Both of these fighters have not had the most success of late. Um, and Holly and Paiva is always in a close fight. He just most recently got knocked out against uh, Sean O'Malley. Uh, he was getting destroyed against Kyler Phillips and then somehow withstood that adversity and ended up coming from behind and getting a, dis- a majority decision over Kyler Phillips, who I hold in such high regard. A very close fight against uh, fight against uh, Zhalgashu Magalov. Nice finish over Mark De La Rosa. And then an unfortunate, you know, cut stoppage against Hogeria Bontarine. So, like, 
seeing Holly and Paiva as an underdog really intrigued me because there were some people saying that Holly and Paiva was going to, you know, they could have just been talking, but saying that, you know, he, he could possibly, you know, spoil Sean O'Malley's career and, and get a victory over him. I did not think that at all. And I really like Sean O'Malley in the matchup. Now, Sergey Morozov was a, a favorite against Douglas De Silva Andrade, where like they, a lot of people really like getting to him. They, they, they liked Douglas Silva De Andrade a lot because of, well, they, they liked Morozov in that matchup against De Andrade because of the takedown potential. And Andrade looks like a guy who is super dangerous, but can get completely out wrestled and um, just tax that gas tank. And you did see the skills of Morozov early on. It's just in the second round, he got caught with some shots and got knocked out. At, well, he got knocked down twice, and then he got uh, submitted against uh, DeAndraj. So it's tough for me to see him at 8,500 and have a ton of faith in him because in his debut, he got submitted against Umar Namagamadov, got a nice decision win against Khalid Taha, and then most recently knocked down twice and then submitted against Douglas Silva DeAndraj. I'm favoring the underdog Holly and Paiva ever so slightly, but this is a group if I've ever seen it. This is where I'm going to go on Fantasy Cruncher. You uh, use that tool over on Stochastic and uh, put Sergey Morozov and Holly and Paiva in a group. And I feel like it's going to be a part of the optimal lineup. They, they both bring it and they both have question marks surrounding their skill sets. Holly and Paiva can get controlled on the mat. Um, and Morozov got, has some really, really good takedowns. So we've seen Paiva work back to his feet, but get planted over and over. So it's a lean towards Paiva, but truthfully, I view this like the Alain Badeau, Josh Parisian one. Literally, as you were saying that, that was my first thought is, I know what two fights to group together over there yep. on Fancy Cruncher. Now, do you want to earn money promoting the Stochastic products? Join our new affiliate program, become a Stochastic partner, and get paid every time someone makes a purchase using your personal link. Any new member that you refer will receive 20% of that member's first two Stochastic payments. Refer your friends, share it on social media, or do whatever else you have to get people signed up. You'll get 20% of a new member's first two payments guaranteed if it's done through your personal link. For more information, visit Stochastic.com slash affiliate dash program or follow the link in the description below join promote profit with the stochastic affiliate program of course you gotta check out all the great tools we have over at stochastic.com and when we talk about our mma product over there of course you've got uh, the top fire tool ownership we got ufc pro plays i'll be putting my pro plays in here later on today as I always say i'd like to like to hear what p has to say about the fights maybe, maybe see if he sees things a little bit differently and i'm really interested on what your take is on this next matchup JP Pies and Cody Durden. This is your 8,8200 fight. JP Buys 8,200, 8,000 for Cody Durden. Now, Cody Durden has made a transition down to the American Top Team Gym in Coconut Creek. He was training at the one there in the Atlanta area. Uh, he's trained at a couple of different gyms here. But, you know, when you think about both these guys, Pete, I'm thinking about the wrestling. And what scares me about Cody Durden is it, the cardio. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy, can he puts on a tremendous pace in the first round, and it just wise off. I think J.P. Buys is a better wrestler. He's got the better credentials. I will tell you that there are red flags surrounding both of them, and I agree with you. I think that uh, J.P. Bays is in an interesting matchup here because a lot of people just – you know, remember how the Montel Jackson fight ended. They don't really necessarily under, you know, remember how it began. And he had Montel Jackson in a really bad spot at his back and almost sunk in a rear naked choke. And 
For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. The one thing I could take from that matchup, despite getting dropped numerous times, four if I, if I remember correctly, is just his will to win and him not quitting. Like despite getting dropped four times, that's a big, big red flag. He constantly worked. He sat there and he, he kept level changing or, or scrambling, trying to initiate the clinch. And it led to him not taking too much damage as the fight went on. And he ended up surviving and lost the decision. I uh, will say that in a matchup against Cody Durden, I don't necessarily worry about Durden striking. Durden just got, you know, destroyed against Muhammad Mukhaev, uh pretty early in a submission. And I think that there's more red flags surrounding Cody Durden. He isn't the smartest fighter in the world. So his fight IQ, especially in the grappling department is lacking. His cardio is a liability. Um, and I feel like his wrestling is not going to be superior in a matchup like this. I think that JP Bays, his submission attempts and his wrestling is going to be enough here at 8,200. He attempted a ton of submissions against Montel Jackson. He attempted three of them and nearly had a guillotine, nearly had a rear naked choke, nearly had another guillotine. I think that he submits Cody Durden. If Durden, you know, overextends himself on a shot and gets a little lazy on the mat, JP Bays, despite having zero success in the UFC, is a guy that I'm okay with getting to. And I know that's super, super crazy because of how many times he was knocked down. And then in his prior matchup, he was knocked out against Bruno Silva. So how is that chin? Totally get it. Cody Dern is not a big knockout guy. He's a, he's a wrestler. He likes to control you and work towards a finish on the mat. I don't see that happening. So I'm going to be picking JP Bays at 8,200. Yeah, I, you know, when look, it's we talk about volatility of where they're at in this division. The, to me, this is just like a Parisian Budo. I mean, Budo's a mm -hmm. low level heavyweight fight. To me, this is uh, the lower end of the UFC division here in this one between JP uh, and Cody. And, and let's just be honest about it. Uh, overall, the fans hate both these guys. So uh, maybe we can find a little bit of leverage uh, on, on this one. Next up, we got a bantamweight matchup. Mario Batista taking on Brian Kelher. Brian Kelher returning to the 135 pound division. He is 7,500 on DraftKings, 8,700 for Mario Batista. Uh, already mentioned about the, the fact that I like that over significant strikes for Mario Batista over there on prize picks does have a little bit of a reach advantage in this one lands over five strikes per minute. I, I just think that the MMA lab team here with, with Mario Batista, they're going to have him just basically have it range and not uh, potentially engage in any type of grappling with Brian Keller. Yeah, because I'm interested to see how the grappling exchanges would go. I think this is a super competitive fight and the salaries are accurate. In my opinion, I think that Mario Batista should be the favorite um, at 8,700. I'm, I'm okay with getting to it a little bit just because of if the weight cuts a little bit too much for Brian Keller at this stage of the game. And, you know, we always talk about if people have horrible weight cuts and they get hit a lot throughout their careers in general, perhaps their, their chins are going to be, you know, tested in one matchup and they could get in, end up getting finished, man. It's I'm, 
foreseeing this going the distance on the feet, being a striking matchup and just being a great bantamweight fight, like an old school bantamweight banger, three rounds, both guys having moments, but Marty Batista just having the volume edge and the work rate edge. Brian Keller has the power, um, despite not throwing such athletic moves, whereas Batista will be throwing flying knees and looking for the finish. Brian Keller has that death touch a little bit about this mm-hmm. bantamweight division. So he's going to be, you know, worthy of a sprinkle and worthy of getting to some exposure sitting there at 7,500. He has excellent submission skills. So if he touches Batista on the feet and Batista instinctively shoots, Kelleher's live to guillotine anybody. I'm telling you right now, he's, he's live to guillotine anybody and he has power to shut the lights off against anybody as well as he did against Hunter Azure. And the, the Batista defeat to Trevin Jones, we know that Trevin Jones hits really hard. That's his one path pathway to victory usually. Um, and Batista ended up getting caught and slept with a punch from an odd angle that he didn't see coming. If you told me Kelleher knocks out Batista, it wouldn't necessarily blow my mind, but the better fighter over 15 minutes, I believe, is going to be Batista, so that's why I'm picking him. Yeah, I like Batista in this spot as well. And then our opening fight of the night is going to be Vanessa Demopoulos taking on Jin Yu Frey. Jin Yu Frey with a six-inch reach advantage in this one. She's 9,200 over on DraftKings, 7,000 for Demopoulos. I mean, look, you want to talk about every week we're looking at these 9,000 fighters and we're going, who is going to be the fighter that no one is going to be getting to? Jin Yu Frey may be that fire this week. Now, look, do I really want to get there? No. Do I really want to get to the Demopolis side of this equation? No. So I talked to Vanessa about two and a half weeks ago. I tried to get her to talk about this fight. She gave me that. She, she didn't give me much, Pete. <laughs> I tell you what, man, I hate the price tag and I hate the odds. Uh, Jin Yu Frey sitting there at like a three to one favorite is crazy to me just because her fight IQ is so suspect. And her striking skills are extremely superior towards uh, to v- Vanessa Demopoulos, who at times just walks forward and absorbs tons of shots. Uh, Jin Yu Frey, time and time again, though, will will look to implement wrestling and close the distance and chain together a takedown or two. And you know she attempted one against Ashley Yoder, three against Gloria De Paula, four against uh, Loma Luke Bumi. And I feel like she could be playing with fire here because if she does get a little too confident in her wrestling or she looks to solidify a close round on the feet and she goes to take down Vanessa Demopoulos, Demopoulos was just awarded her black belt and she is a fighter out of fight ready who we have to say like, she's probably one of the, the lowest level fighters out of fight ready, but she's still surrounded by extreme talent. And it's like, I think that Vanessa Demopoulos is extremely live to pull off another submission win. And she got dropped against Silvana Gomez Juarez and still completely rocked, snatched up a beautiful, beautiful submission and scored 91 fantasy points. So I don't love her skill set. I don't think that she has the wrestling to get it to the mat. But if Jin Frey implements wrestling, she could be out scrambled by Vanessa Demopoulos, truthfully. And her fight IQ has shown that she's not just going to stand and bang as she should. Just let her hands and her kickboxing fly and she would win this matchup. I'm nervous about the odds and I'm nervous about the salary. So I'm going to be getting to Vanessa Demopoulos at that 7,000 price tag. I mean, look, Vanessa has not scored a takedown in, yep. in during her time in, in the UFC. I mean, look, if I'm Jin Frey and I'm her corner, 
I mean, unless you drop her with strikes, I'm kind of sitting there going, why engage in the grappling? Because that is totally Vanessa Demopoulos' path to win it. We were talking about this earlier, that that the easy path to victory. The path to victory for Vanessa Demopoulos is to get this fight to the ground and make it a grappling matchup. So if I'm Jin Yu Frey, why get down there? What concerns me about the price point with Jin Yu Frey, I like Jin Yu Frey to win this fight, is paying off that $9,200 price tag if you don't get a win by stoppage and you don't utilize grappling. I I don't see how you can be optimal at that price point. Yeah. Okay. So I agree with you. And unless she knocks down Demopolis and gets a finish, um, I don't really see the 9,200 paying off. I'll get to some of it because on the feet, she's the better fighter. She in a, in a most recent fight against Ashley Yoder threw 185 significant strikes and Vanessa Demopolis decision defeat to JJ Aldrich. She threw 162. So, and she attempted five takedowns. So Demopolis will attempt takedowns. But what I could see happening is Demopolis robotically coming forward, throwing crazy combinations and just, you know, trying to implement the clinch and Jinyu Frey being opportunistic, changing levels and getting a takedown just because it's there. And then Demopolis in the back of her head, Jason, she's happy. She's like, okay, thank you. Now you got it in my world. Now I can work for a sweep. I can work towards, you know, threatening you with a submission and, uh, yeah, so I'm going to be leaning towards the underdog just because the line seems a little bit too off, and they're both completely low-level fighters for the strawweight division. But uh, Demopolis is 7,000, armbar from guard, as as Josh says in chat, <laughs> completely viable. Oh, yeah, armbar from guard for you know, MMA. MMA, you always know, is potentially a way it could end it. Of course, uh, be sure to uh, smash that thumbs-up button. Which, of course, I always appreciate that. Of course, uh, be sure to subscribe to also subscribe to Scholastic right here on on YouTube. Hit that notification bell so you, you know when a video is live here on the channel. Of course, coming up here at six p.m. Eastern time, we got MLB live before lock. But uh, before we wrap up the show, let's get right into our straight up fight picks. The main event, uh, I will go with the favorite in Armin Sarukian. I'm gonna go Sarukian. Next up uh, in the co-main event, uh, give me Rachmanov. Shavkat Rachmanov. Uh, in the heavyweight match that we mentioned about high volatility, uh, I will go with Josh Parisian. I'm going with the under two and a half. Jason, do I, I have to pick somebody? Um, you do have to pick somebody, yes. Oh, God. You know there's people out there to keep track of this. <sighs> yeah, sure. I'm going to go Alain Badeau just because you went Josh Parisian, but it's literally like a 51-49 for me. I always appreciate when I see that tweet when it's uh, <laughs> advantage Jason, not advantage Pete. Uh, I will go Tiago Moses against uh, Chris Tosiagos. I'm going to go Tiago as well. Give me uh, Umar against uh, Umar. Yep, Umar. I will go Curtis over Vieira. Curtis. I think we're going to disagree on this one. Yep. Give me Olberg. Give me Inchukwe. Uh Then I'll go TJ Brown. TJ Brown. I'll go uh, Paiva. I'm going to go Piva as well. Uh, give me Baze. JP Baze. I will go Batista. Batista. And I will go Frey. For the sake of being different, I'm going to go Demopolis. Oof, yeah. I mean, look, it's, I will say this, just looking at over our top fire tool, there is some, there is some interesting leverage plays this week. Mm-hmm. Some oh, very yeah. interesting leverage plays this week. Absolutely. And that's what it's about, man. Like, getting exposure to the right people and having the correct combinations and targeting the fighters within your groups, best way to succeed in MMA DFS. 
Yeah, I mean, like looking at these fights that I believe we have to target this week. And look, some of these fights you don't love to, to target because of the volatility with them. Mm. We mentioned about Parisian Budo. That's a fight in terms of GPPs, tough to get away from. Tough to yep. get away from. Um, I would say Curtis and Vieira is another one. Tough to get away from. Mm-hmm. Bayes yeah, and Durden is another one. And the Morozov Pival one too. I mean that that mid range price tag. This is one of those cards that I really feel you got to go over in a fancy crunch. You got to create some certain groups. Uh, you know, the, you know, you look at, but like we talk about, we always talk about punt plays every week. I think there's some decent punt plays here this week. You mentioned about yeah. Vanessa Demopoulos. Yeah. You know, if if the fight can become a grappling matchup, that one is an interesting punt play to me. Um, other pump, I mean, Christos Yagos, just because of, you know, if he's going to win that fight, he would win that fight via stoppage within like seven minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's so, good, there's good pump plays everywhere. And uh, a lot of weeks were hurting for underdogs. This one, like, it's fine to have a bunch of dart throws that you don't feel confident in and just mixing and matching. And uh, playing single entry is always difficult. It really is for MMA DFS and much more tailored to, towards 20 max, 150 max. Jeffrey mentioned he was waiting for Sam's usual questions. I guess he wanted that over under number. I'm just gonna I'm a I'm a play a little uh you know guessing Where, game here. I bet yeah. Sam's number would have been five and a half. Oh, I'm saying over. I'm saying over. Uh, I'm trying to think what fights I think have a really high percentage of going the distance. I think five and a half is fair. I really do, but I think some weird. I almost swore. I think some weird stuff is uh, is going to happen this fight card. What, you think you're in the gym? You can just say whatever you want? <laughs> I'm used to it. used to be my own boss, man. That's weird. Start uh, yelling at people? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. But, uh, of course, uh, I'll be back here on Saturday, myself and Greg, for Live Before Lock. Uh, Pete, I'll be uh, coaching one of his guys there. Um, and, uh, I mean, can we get some live stream, Pete? I mean, we can, can we get like, can we get Pete mic'd up to hear what you sound like? I wish. Or, or is that, or is that NSFW? No, nah, no, I, I'm, I mean, I'll be yelling at my guys, but like, I don't know. I, I'm a very experienced quarterman and, um, you know, I, I learned from the best, my pop. So, uh, the last time I was trying to stream something, my guy was doing a grappling match in a boxing ring. And he broke the boxing ring. So, so they, yeah, they broke the boxing ring twice, Jason. There was, his match was delayed 15 minutes twice uh, because he put the guy through the ropes, then they fixed it. And then he put the guy through the other rope. So uh, yeah. So uh, the, the last time I tried to stream did not work well. So you're saying it's not good for you to stream things. Yeah. So we need, so we need Bree on hand just to stream <laughs> it for everybody. Oh, wow, that's too good. But uh, good luck to your guy, Wolfie, there on Saturday. Of course, I will be here on Saturday for Live for Lock. Huge thanks to our sponsor, Prize Picks. Be sure to check them out. Use that promo code AWESOMO as they'll match your first deposit up to $100. Take advantage of those props they have over here for UFC Vegas number 57. That is going to do it for this edition of the Strategy Show. I will talk to you on Saturday for Live Before Lock. Have a good day, everybody. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.